Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 9 The Catch 22. January 4th, 1995. Thick, opaque clouds blanketed the sky over Essence House. Despite the ominous skies, the small weathered airplane hangar in the rear of the property was alive for the first time in nearly two years, and the house itself was aglow. The sound of children running through the house echoed through the halls. Mom, Tim stuck gum in my hair, screamed Elise. Nancy Edmond grabbed Tim by the ear as he tried to shuffle around them through the hall. Tim, you're setting a poor example for your six-year-old cousin. Ah, he thought it was funny. Tim replied as he yanked his ear from her grip, and he and Tristan ran upstairs. It was a regular tradition in the family for the kids to set up blankets and build a fort in the attic near the window to watch the departure. Nancy, Rick's gathering luggage. Do you have anything that's not by the door? Andrew shouted across the hall, stepping out from his father's former study. He never claimed the study as his own. He took up the mantle of patriarch of the family, and all the responsibilities that came with heading up the Essence Guard, but there was nobody that could replace Roland. Not yet, at least. Since Roland's passing, a stasis fell over the house. Things went as they should, and orders were followed per Roland's design, but everything felt very temporary. I've got a bag I've just started in my bathroom that I'll bring down myself. First, I have to work your son's chewing gum out of Elise's hair, Nancy replied with an air of annoyance. Always my son when he's in trouble, Andrew chuckled, withdrawing an envelope from Roland's desk and reading it one more time. It was the last in a long line of envelopes addressed to him with a very specific date to read it on, and Andrew knew it was important to open them on the appropriate dates. For Andrew, January 4th, 1995. Dearest son, I am certain there will be some hesitation to postpone the visit, to welcome Florence's child into the world. Andrew paused for a moment, thinking about how amazing it was that Roland was so confident in the outcomes of future events. Without access to a future object or any knowledge of a future time, travel to a future destination simply was not possible. Yet, Roland had all of the information he needed to orchestrate the movements of the guard anyhow. It was bewildering, to say the least. Trust that this trip is necessary. As hard a decision as it is on us all, you cannot delay. I love you, son. Your dedication and leadership in my absence has served the essence well. And that was that. Andrew had his marching orders. Paperclip to the envelope was another envelope that was addressed to a loyal friend of the family, Barnabas Krimke, and dated the same day. Andrew tucked the letter into the inside pocket of his jacket and made his way down the hall, passing Nancy, Elise, and a jar of peanut butter with a pair of scissors beside it. As he stood there, trying to figure out whether he could be a help or would be a nuisance, Rick popped out of the door ahead of him. Hey brother, I've got about half the luggage on board. Are you sure about this? The rain is starting and the weather reports are calling for some really ugly stuff. Rick sounded worried. You always worry, Rick. Gather some confidence. I have faith in your ability, and honestly, the future seems to be written for us. We're as good as gold, assured Andrew. I trust you, Andy. 
You've never let us down. You know me, always worrying. It's just... Oh, nothing. You've heard it all. I do. I trust you, brother. They laughed as Rick headed up the stairs. He made it up two flights of stairs and headed down a hall and up a smaller flight of stairs. As Rick made it to the attic, the halls grew dark. He dragged his hand along the hall as he approached the room ahead, guided by only a trickle of light from outside coming through the window. As he entered the room, he heard clicks on either side of him and two faces appeared on either side. Suddenly, he felt hands grabbing at his legs. Rick immediately reached down, grabbing his son and nephew, and tossed them gently onto the sleeping bags by the window. Chuckling, Rick said, Nice try, guys. You'll never pull one over on old Rick. Tim stood up tall. Someday, I'll get you. Tristan just laughed and clicked the flashlight off and on from his blanket. I know it's only a few days, but I'm going to miss you, kids. Rick sat on a blanket pile and pulled them close. Please listen to Mrs. Gianni and Barnabas while we're away. They'll be reporting back to us. And Tim, be good to your sister. You're going to be the man of the family while we're away. You take care of these two. I will, Uncle Rick. Promise. Tim remained tall and serious. Rick ruffled the hair on Tim's head and stood up. All right, we're almost set. Is your base camp all set up here? Tristan responded. It sure is. Rick smiled. Good. You know, Uncle Andy, your Aunt Flo and I, all set up in the same spot when we were children, when your grandfather would take to the air. Rick's nostalgia began to fade, and he turned to walk out. Come down and say bye to your family, and then you guys can come right back up to watch the plane take off. As Rick descended the stairs and entered the kitchen at the end of the hall, he interrupted Andrew speaking with their old friend Barnabas. Barney! shouted Rick, with a bit of over-the-top exclamation. He walked up and hugged the old man, who was not especially pleased with the nickname, but grew to expect it. Good evening, Richard. Or should I say, Dick? Barnabas retorted with a smile. Andrew cut off the exchange. All right, guys, it's about time to go. Barnabas, I'm going to leave this with you. He handed Barnabas the envelope from the study. And we are about on our way. Please give the kindest regards to Miss Florence, sir, Barnabas requested. He slipped his old pocket knife out, sliced upon the envelope, and read the enclosed slip of paper as the brothers exited the room. A look of concern and confusion befell his face. A tall, dark-haired woman stepped into the hall and gripped Rick's arm, dragging him into an adjoining room. Ah, there you are, my dear, Rick addressed his wife, Alyssa. She smiled. I got the things on the list, but I could not find any of that fizzy candy you like. Rick, I gotta say, are you sure we're okay leaving tonight? They're expecting some really horrendous weather. Rick shrugged. Andy says we'll be okay, and I trust him. But if it bothers you that much, I would not object to you staying with the kids. Alyssa looked around. You know I don't care to be alone in this place. I'll go. I just hope you're right. Sweetheart, you are not the only one. He smiled and pecked her on the cheek. Rick and Alyssa headed for the door to find Andrew and Nancy giving their final orders to their children. Tristan ran up and threw his little arms around his parents' legs. I'm going to miss you, Mommy and Daddy, he said as Rick scooped him up for a big family hug. Barnabas stood outside the door as the four passengers headed across the lawn. He was clearly not at ease. Mrs. Gianni approached. 
I know that look. What's bothering you, Mr. Krimke? Barnabas turned. Something is wrong, and old Roland has left it to me to fix everything. I don't have a good feeling about this. He lightly placed his hand on her arm. Gather the children and bring them upstairs. I'll be here making sure nothing goes wrong. Inside the plane, Andrew, Nancy, and Alyssa sat, buckling themselves in for what was assuredly going to be a rocky flight. Rick was flicking some switches and preparing to head to his seat. Nancy smacked her head. Andrew asked, What is it, dear? Oh my gosh, Andrew, in all that fuss with Elise's hair, I forgot my toiletry bag upstairs. Is it too late? Could you run and get it? Nancy asked of her husband. Rick shouted from up front, I'll run back. You guys are already settled in. Barnabas stood in the drive at the side of the house, watching as Rick ran back across the lawn to the front door. His uneasy feeling had not subsided. He paid close attention to the plane, almost expecting something to happen as Rick exited, but it sat still with no signs of trouble. What had Roland's note meant in charging Barnabas with the lead position on the Essence Guard, and why was it explicitly stated something to the effect of keeping an eye on Rick and further instructions to come? It was all very disconcerting. Moments later, Rick emerged from the house. It appeared that he had opted for a different jacket, and he carried a bag. Barnabas waved, but it was not returned as Rick rushed toward the plane. As Rick entered the plane, Barnabas heard Mrs. Gianni shouting, Stop him! As Rick once again emerged from the house, carrying a bag. Barnabas did a double take, but he knew better than to spend his time wondering and leapt into action. He raced across the lawn at his top speed. A look of shock overcame Rick as Barnabas plowed into him. The bag in his hand flew into the air and toiletries rained out over the yard. Barney, I don't know what's come over you, but this is not cool, Rick said angrily. The pleas of Roland to not trust Rick and ensure the flight is uninterrupted rang in Barnabas's head as he threw himself onto Rick and held his arms behind his back. You crazy old coot! My father respected you, and Andrew tolerates you, but this will not end well for you if you don't let me go. Rick pulled an arm free, and his flying fist caught Barnabas on the chin. Please, Rick, we can talk about this when the plane is in the air, but you will not stop this flight, Barnabas pleaded. I said from the start this flight was a bad idea, but nobody would listen to me. Rick pulled himself up and turned to run toward the plane. Barnabas once again threw himself at Rick. As Rick turned to throw another fist, his head slammed to the ground and he fell unconscious. Unaware of the struggle outside, Andrew and his brother were once again arguing about the weather and the flight. We've been over this, Rick. We have to make this flight. Now, let's get out of here. Rick was determined. Andy, you have no idea what you're talking about. You will all die. We can't do this. Everybody, get off the plane now. He turned to his wife. Please, honey, you were concerned too. We can't do this. I can't live without you. Rick, you're scaring me. Maybe we should talk about this in the kitchen, Alyssa offered. No, Andrew demanded. Just then, Rick fell backward, as if struck in the gut. His face drained of color, and he stammered toward the cockpit. Rick, are you all right? Andrew asked, concerned. With a blank stare, Rick muttered, 
This was always going to happen, as he slid down into his seat. Rick started the engine and flipped some switches without saying another word. I'm sorry, brother, but I really think everything will be fine, Andrew explained. He patted his brother on the shoulder and returned to his seat. Barnabas knelt in shock alongside Rick outside of the plane, a pool of blood growing around Rick's lifeless body. What had he done? He stared, unable to move, as the plane lifted off and left the Essence House grounds. He could hear the cheers of the kids overhead, yelling goodbye from an open attic window. Mrs. Gianni let out a scream as she approached Barnabas and Rick. What? What? She stuttered. What is this? What did you do? Barnabas stared into the sky, holding Rick's head in his hand. I don't even know, Lily. I don't even know. All I know is that I hold Rick here in my arms, as Rick has also taken flight with his family. This essence stuff is too much, Barnabas. We should never have gotten involved, she confessed as she helped Barnabas to his feet. We're way beyond that now. I'm going to hide Rick and get cleaned up. You look after the kids. We'll call a meeting soon and figure this out. Mrs. Gianni headed back toward the house, completely shaken but driven by duty to the children in the attic. She did not understand how Barnabas could be as calm as he was. What had he been through in his past that could prepare him for a moment like this? Rick was in a daze at the plane controls. He was an excellent pilot with many flights under his belt, but he was not in his right mind the storms ahead were not something he had ever dealt with before. At least, not one of that magnitude. Are you okay, Rick? asked Alyssa. He'll be fine, assured Andrew. He's gonna need all his concentration to get through this one. How about we play a card game? Just then, the plane leaned left and then right, did a full spin, and began spiraling out of control. Rick pulled at the controls and did his best to try to regain control of the plane as it lost altitude. The passengers, his family, screamed as they slammed back and forth into the walls, some still belted in. In the chaos, Rick unbuckled and attempted to get back to his family when the back of the plane blew out and he was thrown into the air. Debris rained down as the plane and its passengers were scattered across a field. It was the early hours of morning when a squad car approached the Essence House gates. Barnabas met the vehicle at the gate and pulled it open to allow them through. The officer in the driver's seat stepped out. Sir, I'm sorry to bother you at this hour. May I ask about your relationship with this property? Name's Barnabas. I'm a friend of the family, taking care of the little ones while the family is on a trip. Well, Barnabas, you should know there's been an accident said the officer. For the second time that night, Barnabas dropped to his knees. It was as he'd feared. The family, his friends, were gone. And he may have had a hand in their demise. After describing the crash site and explaining that they were still recovering bodies, the officer left Barnabas and headed back down the drive. January 17th. 1995. The room was filled with confusion and anger. 
accumulation of that combination resulted in incomprehensible noise. A noise that drowned out the clinking of glasses and laughter of the bar on the other side of the wall. There was a grunt, <coughs> and suddenly the room was focused on the man in the corner. You mean to say that Roland placed you in an alley just today to interact with his grandson? This is different than anything we've handled in the past, suggested Greg, a tall, gruff, older gentleman. Barnabas stood across the room, a little shaken, but that was nothing new. He seemed to spend most of his time rattled in the couple weeks after the crash. Just minutes ago, like thirty minutes ago. I didn't know if he was going to make it. Hell, I still don't know if he made it. You sent him to a motel twenty-five years from now? We should begin monitoring the few motels in the area, Greg suggested. A younger man at the table chuckled. I'd say we have some time to get to that. I'd like to hear Barnabas explain the part where he killed Rick Edmond again. Barnabas dropped into a seat in the corner. It happened just as I said. Rick was acting funny. I witnessed two of them and had orders from Roland to stop him. But he didn't say to kill him, right? Shot a woman who was dealing a deck of cards to her tablemates. I mean, Roland didn't ask you to kill his son. Barnabas felt sick in his stomach and a darkness began to spread across the room. His heart began pounding, and he could see from the looks on the faces around the room that he was not alone in his discomfort. Suddenly, a voice rang from the doorway that moments prior looked out on a lively bar, but now was saturated by pure nothingness. It stood devoid of all light. Well, did he, Barnabas? An unhealthy, frail figure fell against the door jamb. With more relief than dread, Barnabas leapt from his seat in the corner and raced across the room to help the man at the door. Rick Edmund? he exclaimed, throwing an arm around the broken body of his friend to assist him. The room went silent. The silence engulfed the bar and seemingly the world, as far as the occupants of this room were aware. Take your hands off me! With an instantaneous burst of energy, Rick threw Barnabas against the wall across the room. His already gray skin tightened on his face, and his eyes darkened. The lady at the table stopped shuffling her deck, and all eyes were on the confrontation. I... I heard you died in a plane crash, Barnabas offered as he cowered, eyeing the room for an escape. You slammed my head into a rock, Rick interrupted in anger. The memories in Rick's head at the moment were hard for him to make sense of, but he knew it to be true. He simultaneously recalled lying on his back in the yard in front of Essence House, as well as being blown out of a plane, and the feeling of every branch that broke his body as he slammed into the forest a few miles away. Which Rick is this? asked a skinny bald man at the table, somewhat breaking the tension. The floor began to shake. Rick stood, slightly hunched, body painfully contorted, slowly turned his head, letting out what began as a growl and ended in demanding, Go back to your game! The lady at the table collected the cards and shuffled them nervously. The man stood up and retorted, Rick, we all have the right to know, as members of the guard. Rick exploded in anger. That guard is a farce! A burst of energy stopped everyone in their tracks. 
and suddenly the room went gray, and everything slowed to a crawl. A darkness grew on the ground around Rick, as his shadow seemed to emanate from him and began to engulf the room. With another sudden burst of hateful energy, Rick lifted Barnabas by the throat with one arm and slammed him against the wall effortlessly. Stay away from me and the house, old man. I don't know what you did to me, but I could have saved them. You did this. You and everyone with a delusional devotion to my father. (coughs) Barnabas knew Rick's words had some truth to them. He hung in the air, terrified, gripping Rick's arm and gasping for air. Rick released his grip and dropped Barnabas to the ground. As he turned around and exited the room, the room began to return to life. Rick made his way through the crowded bar and walked out the front door of the bar. The black door slammed shut behind him. He struggled to keep control of his body as he stepped into the brisk air and walked down the street, limping. He stopped on the sidewalk, leaning on a parking meter, and watched as a man was lifted onto a stretcher and loaded into an ambulance in front of him, and another young man climbed in to sit with him. He stared as the ambulance pulled away, then approached the cab that had been sitting at the curb. That was quick. Where can I take you now, sir? said the cab driver. Back to Sands Point, Rick replied. The driver shifted the car and pulled away from the curb. All the way out here just to pop into a bar for five minutes? I hope you don't mind me saying, sir, but that seemed like a huge waste of time. Theme music by Carol Cockrell. Hey, this is Eric Cockrell. And Chuck Pino. The creators of Essence House. We're really excited that you took the time to listen and hope that you enjoyed it. We'd love your support on Patreon. $2 gets you two episodes a month, along with bonus commentary and our monthly chat show. Visit EssenceHouseStory.com and seriously, thank you so much for checking out our series. We're really excited about it.